everybody, welcome to the Almost Good Podcast, the podcast where me, JDO, and uh, David James Keaton talk about movies today uh, on the show. We're going to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and we have our first guest. What? Yeah, we got a guest, dude. We have uh, we have someone here who's going to give some thoughts about the film. I'd like to introduce uh, to the show, author Rios de la Luz. Hello. <laughs> I, got, right. I got a little song for you. Everybody wants to fighting. Bruce Lee, not fast as lightning. <laughs> Brad Pitt was a little bit frightening. <laughs> I, I came up, I was, let's see if I can remember this. I was trying to think of something funny to say about the movie to start off. So let's, let's see if I can remember this. All right. So uh, Tarantino returns with a new film. After making a bit of a heel turn this past year with some of his comments, <laughs> he decided to dip his toe into the story of one of America's arch villains, but it ends up being a real kick in the face. See, it's all it's all feet stuff. Wow. Yeah, you like That's that? Good. I like that. That's some good back cover copy. Yeah, yeah, I just come up I I don't have anything in front of me. It's just this is just off the dome. <laughs> you you could have just you could have summed it up in one sentence, just his dog fought with expert timing. <laughs> so, um, so were you were you into the dog? That's the whole reason I wanted you to see this movie. Oh yeah, I love the dog. The dog was great. Dog was my favorite. Well, do- uh, Brandy, right? Brandy was my second favorite character. <laughs> it's it's definitely dog owner porn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when he's slowly feeding the dog, mm-hmm. like that. Hello. Hello. Oh, good. Excellent. What is that? It just, our connection has always been terrible. Like, this is what makes... Right. But I hear but I hear you. All right, cool. You're back. Go ahead. Okay. I heard you the whole time. Good. I'm glad I didn't say anything fucked up. I know, I know. <laughs> I, was a little, I was a little nervous. Yeah, yeah. Um... But no, yeah, and you know that I love movies with process scenes, right? So a scene where he's very slowly making dog food was kind of right up my alley. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I was saying. It was like a nice perfect storm of the two things, um, you know, the dog stuff and mixed with the Tarantino long shots of, you know, like in Reservoir Dogs when he walks to the car to get the gasoline and walks all the way back. Right. So, except this time, he's merely feeding the dog. But I, I don't have a dog, and I love those scenes. Those might have been my favorite parts. Pitbulls are such badass little dogs, too. I mean, they're really scary when you don't train them correctly. But um, they make for good movie dogs. John Wick had a pit bull, too, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. He did, yeah. yeah. Have you guys ever seen a, uh, is it called a pit bull terrier? The Spuds McKenzie dog? Oh, yeah. They got those little sunken in eyes and, like, the... It looks like a locomotive nose. Those are like Frankenweenie. You ever seen yeah, those Frankenweenie? Are, those are weird dogs. I hear those are really dangerous. I believe it. I mean, <laughs> most dogs are like... So you have chihuahuas and stuff, and I, I feel like chihuahuas are kind of like cats in that if they gained, you know, 100 pounds, like they would just kill you. Like a cat would just <laughs> end your life. The only reason it, it doesn't is because it can't. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe it. There, I knew somebody with a chihuahua, and it had this little trick. Whenever um, she would come home, it, it would get up on its hind legs and walk around on its hind legs. 
It's like its little praying move for food. It was really cute. That's but then dumb. it would, but then it would piss everywhere, and uh, it was always scared. <laughs> oh my god! Jesus Christ! Did you did you pinch that dog to do that on purpose? No, no. It's just that a, a door a door happened to open a little bit, and I'm really on edge today, dude. <laughs> This dog is just like this whole day is just had been one nightmare of anxiety for me. So like this dog stabbing into my heart with this high pitched bark. I'm gonna disown you. I'm gonna oh, disown no. you. It's not true. Oh no. What a twist. You go to see that dog love fiesta and you come home and you just disown your own dog. Yeah, yeah. So I kinda wanted to sort of frame this conversation. Should we give like a quick recap of the movie i mean it's basically it's a tarantino movie and it's based around the manson murders and uh if you don't want spoilers don't listen to this because i'm assuming it's just going to be a a damn ass spoiler fest well um since we have a guest you usually do the the summary and it's interesting to see what you decide is important in your summary you kind of summarize stuff that might not be the actual plot of the movie maybe rios could summarize the movie how she saw it that might be interesting. I like it. Okay. Um, let me think. Okay, so the movie is based around the Manson murders, which I... Okay, so this is the first time that I've gone into a Tarantino movie um, not excited. And <laughs> and also... Um, I, I'm not... I'm still not... Fam- I had to ask David after the movie about... Um, details dealing with the Manson murders. I wasn't completely familiar with that either. Um, so I didn't, I guess, I mean, I can fully grasp how evil the the villains are um, in the movie since they're real people and they really did that. But um, so... But that's, that's weird, right? Like, without context, it's it's not... Well, we'll get all... We'll get to that. Like, if you don't have that knowledge going in, I, I it's... It's a weird-ass movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Once Upon a Time in Hollywood deals with... Um, oh, my gosh. I already forgot the main character's name. Rick Dalton. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Rick Dalton, know. who's played by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, and then Cliff Booth, who's played by Brad Pitt. So it deals with their relationship as an actor, and Brad Pitt's the, the stunt double. Um, so it deals with them... Uh, figuring out that their careers are are ending since they're getting older and since it's Hollywood and Hollywood um, glorifies youth I guess that's what that's trying to say or I don't know but um so it deals with them and then in the background of I guess they're the forefront of the movie and then in the background um, we watch uh, Sharon Tate um, her we kind of just watch her, I guess, drive and walk around and not say very many things and dance. And, uh, and um, what else happens? And then there's a dog named Brandy, who's the best character, aside from Trudy. Trudy was my, my first favorite character. Just this is not a summary at all. This is not a summary. I'm just talking about that's the what's, Yes, That's what happens when he tries to summarize. <laughs> Who's Trudy? Who's Trudy? I don't remember Trudy at all. The little girl. Oh, yeah. She was good. She yeah. was like out of a Coen Brothers movie. She was very uh, like arch and sassy. She was interesting. Yeah. 
we should we should probably address how hard it was to get you to go see this movie <laughs> and it and it took like <laughs> it, it took like donations from <laughs> outside parties because you were just you were vetoing this you were you were not we were the, to be fair we weren't excited either but we like i don't know it, it's like i can't get him to go see a movie unless you go to see a movie right yeah it's hard to so, get me to go to the movies in general because uh movies and basically um they just don't do much for me anymore man which is great that we have a movie podcast i mean it's it, right i know it's such a good idea <laughs> well it's we should probably address i mean should we address the 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 controversy I, I think we should be very excited to end this controversy regarding this movie like he if the controversy is that he didn't let her talk I, I guess that was one of the controversies he was at the Cannes Film Festival and they said why didn't you give uh, what's her name any lines and he said what was his answer like I reject your hypothesis yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, he, said, yeah he said I, I, I reject the premise <laughs> Which is such a such a dick thing to say, but I think he fucked up because his biggest mistake was he clearly went home and like had he, he spiraled and had some like soul searching because he put scenes of her back in it, and I think it kind of fucks up the movie because I haven't seen whatever version they showed at the Cannes Film Festival, but with less her doing nothing rather than more her doing mm -hmm. nothing. Mm -hmm. It, I, I think that would have been exactly the right amount because she's supposed to be this ethereal ghost-like presence because you know in real life she was murdered. Mm -hmm. So the fact that she continues to exist in this movie is kind of exciting. Like She kind of haunts it. You're worried about this pregnant woman being killed. So the fact that he originally had her doing nothing except just sort of hovering over the movie was, a, I think, a smart move. So to go back and put a lot of scenes of her just sort of existing... I think he fucked up. I think he, he folded under pressure and made his movie exude the thing that was irritating to begin with, which is she serves no purpose except to be this hopeful beacon, right? That's my thoughts on it anyway. Yeah, that's how I saw her. Um, just thinking about it after watching it, she was, yeah, like a ghost. That's exactly how she felt. Like, it felt... Right, because I knew she, I knew she was killed beforehand. Like I knew about that, but um, yeah, just watching her and the way that he sort of like, I guess this is just the way that he films. But he films from like the feet, and then he goes <laughs> up. So sure, uh, sure, it sure does. And a lot of the times, um, you know, like he would focus like specifically with the specifically with the women in the I guess I just say one some of the women and then some of the girls because some of them were like teenage girls or whatever but like he like stays on like their ass and like they're walking and that I well I think when you like put someone on a pedestal like in an ethereal way or you think like they're like you know they um represent like purity and they represent innocence i think in that way that's also objectifying um oh yeah and sure. so that's what i got from it like it wasn't it wasn't offensive to me it was just something that i noticed like damn like you could tell that quentin tarantino became infatuated with like sharon tate as a person and then so that kind of showed i think in the in the film Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's his in death proof. He does that whole thing with up the feet, up the legs, 
the camera go, you know, watches him walk. The camera then goes probably down his shorts and, you know, out his pant leg. But he's like, uh, he he kind of goes a little bit insane, and that's it. I find that interesting, but not this time because I was kind of bored. I kind of thought that he was too by objectifying her. This is going to sound kind of weird. I, we should probably be in our best behavior with a guest, but I, I want to say that she was objectified in the wrong way in a way that made she didn't participate you know she's put up on this pedestal and left there because he's was guilted into putting more and more scenes of her in there you just i was uneasy waiting for her to do something that she never did except survive mm-hmm. i think we're supposed to be very excited that she survived and I, I am like i did not especially after having a new baby i did not want to see a pregnant woman murdered yeah, but I kind of would rather have that than the way this ends, which is just so uh, so far up his ass. Like in his head, he's just excited that he gets to save her. Like now the director mm-hmm. gets gets to literally save. Her. It's not enough for the for his male characters to save them. Like the director just he just reaches in and says, "And I save you, and I and I save you." I mean, it's kind of yeah. it's it's pretty insane. Yeah. No, I. Uh, I definitely get that. And I also, like, just the ending. Well, first, I, I too, became bored. And I was, I was sitting and thinking, like, when is, like, where is this going? Where is this going? Where is this going? And I also, I could feel my anxiety as well because I knew, um, like, I knew, you know, what was, I guess, in my mind, I knew what was going to happen. So I felt anxiety about that as well as they were, like, walking up the hill. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, um, them surviving, like I do think, I could see how that can come from a place of tenderness. Like you know, it's a it's a sort of it's a different timeline, and so he like saves them. But at the same time, I think it's because her character. I don't I I don't know anything about the actress, and like he did. A, I think he you know he he did try to like develop the the, the characters of um, Cliff and. Why the fuck can I remember his name? Rick Dalton. And Rick. Um, but I think because she was so often in the background, like when at the end he, she's alive, in my mind I wasn't like, oh, wow, like that's really great. I was just like, what? Okay. Like it was more like just accepting as opposed right. to being excited, I guess, that that he decided to not kill her. Um, and, and by he, it's not even like, it's not Charles Manson. It's not the, the crazy hippies. It's Tarantino yeah. decided not to kill her. And that's that's just a weird, it's a weird thing that he's, but it's also interesting to me that there's at least some, a couple auteurs left where we talk about this as his own thing rather than, you know, whoever the fuck makes a Marvel movie, who knows? At least he's, he's doing something and there's a single-mindedness to it. I was just disappointed that there wasn't as, um, the same sort of Tarantino craziness. Like, he's clearly gone crazy ever since he started pulping it up and Inglorious Bastards and Django. He's he's lost his mind on the screen and made it very uh, unhinged. Um, but now this one was positively old-fashioned, and mm-hmm. it, it felt like a s- step back. I mean, except for the ending was over-the-top, um, but... And, and weirdly disproportionate from their crimes because like in the alternate world Tarantino doesn't allow them to commit any crimes 
except to come in and point guns at people. Is that, do you deserve that the most horrific deaths he can think of because you came in and pointed a gun at somebody? You know what I mean? Like it's the, the, the comeuppance for the hippies was way disproportionate from what they did in Tarantino's alternate world. Yeah. In the real world, in the world, real world, yes, of course. But we don't, we're not living there, you know, when you're in the movie. And plus the, all these poor bastards that don't know what happened yeah. to the, in real life. Like I saw it in, uh, in Berkeley and this, this guy was holding the door to let his wife out at the end. And he said, that was the worst piece of shit I've ever seen. <laughs> he was so mad. And I think it's probably because it felt disproportionate. Like this ending is this just stomping and chewing mm -hmm. and burning of these two right. women. Uh, yeah. The, and the scariest guy is dispatched pretty quickly. I mean, I guess he, he does get his balls eaten by the dog, but um, in real life, he was the real scary one, right? Tex mm -hmm. was the guy who did all the actual, um, he was just a murderer that was aimed at people by Charles Manson. But in this movie, except for one scene where he's on horseback, where he seems like a legitimately scary guy, like the movie is nervous about that confrontation, but it doesn't let anything, it doesn't give them any moment of justifying what happens to them. Um, even though the, I would say the, the big moment at the ranch was probably the best sequence in the movie. What'd you guys think of that stuff? When Brad Pitt goes to the ranch. Oh yeah, that was by far my favorite <clears throat> sequence of the whole movie because I think throughout Tarantino's filmography, which by the way, I've just been thinking about this. Doesn't Tarantino kind of look like Mac Tonight? Do you remember Mac Tonight? <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, he's the little, he he's the moon is. guy from McDonald's. Um, anyway, and more, more every year too. Yeah, Plus, through... he, he turned he turned into a vampire, and they extended his features, so it's mm -hmm. he's just straight up Mac Tonight. Like or like the Wishmaster. You remember the Wishmaster? Um, but so anyway, so the ranch scene is is very effective because in throughout his filmography, we've been kind of shown that. I mean, people can die in the middle of his movies. You know what I mean? Like people mm -hmm. who you think are the stars. I mean, Inglorious Bastards had Michael Fassbender get turned into pulp. Right. You know, like halfway through the movie. And um, so yeah, you were worried for Brad Pitt when he went to the ranch. I was too. I was worried for him, and um, I, I thought that that was a great sequence. I loved watching the the snaggletooth hippie get his get the beat down. That was good. Um, I want to quibble, so I feel like I'm I'm backed into a corner here. I feel very attacked um, <laughs> because I I uh, I really enjoyed the movie, uh, loved it. In fact, Ooh, yeah. oh, we we forgot to ask you. Yeah, nobody gives a shit what I think here. I'm just you were a you were a Rios theater delivery device. You got yeah. it in the theater. For yeah, this yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just want to say just real quick. I think that um, I think that basically when you look at you know sort of pop analysis of the 60s they pretty much use the Manson murders where they are in time and also the severity of them as as, as the end of a certain era right and right. I think what There's Tarantino's a... doing with this movie in general so you have uh, the Dalton and Booth characters who are sort of like mainstays of the 50s and they're kind of callbacks to this like when men were men and you know we can take issue with that for sure but I think that uh, when you sort of posit what film this movie to me is basically a huge indictment about what movies have kind of become and i think that tarantino feels like the manson murders are kind of like responsible for this right because there's the whole scene where sharon tate goes to watch herself in the movies and she's kind of mimicking the movements and things like mm -hmm. that and people are cheering and reacting and clapping 
uh-huh. what he's essentially saying is like movies used to be this thing and Sharon Tate is representative of a kind of spirit of that like kind of pure innocent movie going whatever and, right. and I love that scene by the way I've heard some people grumbling about that that sequence mm-hmm. and something about her uh, her family or something because they actually use Sharon Tate footage which is mm-hmm. a fascinating move because they it's like a reversal of the scenes that were really boring where he puts DiCaprio in scenes in like The Great Escape for some reason right. and lets it play for five minutes I, I'm so sitting there like way, why is he doing that? So sort of like in the way that um, in Inglorious Bastards he has people shoot up Hitler for you know his various crimes against humanity the violence at the end is not just violence that's supposed to be reciprocal to the real life violence that they end up sort of meeting out. It's actually, I feel like it's so over the top and it's so enraged because he's actually, he's paying them back for everything that he sees that has gone wrong with just everything since then. You see what I mean? It's a big cultural fuck you to all that, especially, and like the fact that they're hippies and that it's mentioned several times that the damn hippies are the Mm -hmm. problem. Like he's definitely making a statement about that not a statement by the way that i agree with um but i i, I don't know it all it all worked pretty well i for agree me. i agree with all that i think you're absolutely right i just think it could be more entertaining when he delivers that message yeah i think that there's so much dead space in this because he's wallowing in nostalgia mm-hmm. that uh he's not as entertaining as he normally is i'm on board with his the idea of what he's doing he's you know it's like you said it's um it's the end of an era of of the the men being men in hollywood but also like it's kind of the cusp of new hollywood coming even though weirdly enough there's not a lot of new hollywood movies talked about except i think it's like spaghetti westerns are the enemy like the british invasion of mm-hmm. music was the enemy mm-hmm. the fact that it, italian westerns have are like poisoning things which i thought was kind of fascinating but uh like all that aside, he, um, like, where's the, he, he probably should have killed Brad Pitt at the ranch, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because that's, that's a Tarantino move. Instead, he was just, he was so drunk with nostalgia where people in cars driving around, listening to music, which I love, you know, that's great. And it's going to look great at home when I, when I, now that my expectations are lower. So I, I'll, I'll enjoy this much better the second time. When people drive around and listen to music five times in this movie right but uh in the theater i was just nervous and mm-hmm. i i had an energy that comes with a tarantino movie that now i know it's it's not quite a tarantino it's kind of like a it's like a robert altman movie with a rodriguez ending i don't know it's a it's mm-hmm. a weird it's a weird thing that he made um and supposedly he's going to put it on netflix with an extra half hour or 45 minutes of footage what the fuck? That's way too much, dude. Also, I, I just want to kind of put, like, one of the reasons why it's so hard to get me to go to movies these days in general, um, like, Us was, like, the perfect length for a movie, mm-hmm. right? Us did what it needed to do, and then it got out. Midsummer was similarly long, but I love the shit out of it, so I forgive it. But, like, when I see that a movie is three fucking hours long, I'm just like, what? And then you got to get to the theater, you got to watch the damn-ass previews, you gotta like it's just you know that you're not getting out of there that's a significant yeah. that's one eighth of a day to long, watch a movie it's a long time yeah and he's already done it with hateful eight which was three hours in the theater and that i, I saw the 70 millimeter version which yeah, i think was slightly mm-hmm. longer but he put that on netflix and he added 20 minutes to it 
so it's a solid like four hours or something and that's a movie that really needed to be cut that's a movie that really like i i dislike that one very much i i like it but i think it plays a little better the way he did it on it's blasphemy i know but on netflix he cut it into four episodes Mm. and he cuts it at the moments when the chapter stops come up so when you watch it as four hour-long episodes it's as it's definitely better than anything on Netflix, mm-hmm. but yeah. I think we have this expectation of his perfect movies um, don't exist anymore. He's he's breaking with the medium. He's dissatisfied with it. If, like you said, this was an answer to his hatred for what movies have become, like the you know the infantilizing of uh, uh, the young adultification of movies and the superhero crap and and. Um, He's if he's reacting to that, he's reacting to the movies in theaters that are not on film. You know, he famously sent out 35 millimeter copies of this. Uh, he might he might be retiring at just the right time because it sounds like he's sick of it. Like yeah. this movie doesn't seem like he's sick of movies when he made yeah. this movie. He's, Tarantino he's one... does he does like he talks about the ten movies thing, and I remember hearing that way back when he made Inglorious Bastards, I think, and thinking no, but now I'm like yeah, yeah, it might retire. make sense. Because he wants to go on to home video and do like a Sopranos or something. That's what it sounds like his, he wants to do. He wants to just keep filming and no one to stop him. I don't know. I'm going to turn it or back he's... over to my co-star here and just, and just sit here just sit here grumbling. <laughs> well, what do you guys think of... This is what I was going to ask you guys about. Uh, a little. I want to stay in the ranch ep- uh, sequence mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. a minute. So I was so satisfied with that, even though it didn't, they didn't do anything to Brad Pitt, but everything was working so perfectly, and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why, when, when it was happening, I was very, very happy that I was watching this movie. I know Once, exactly why. I know exactly Okay, why. I would love to hear you guys explain to me why, because I don't know. I, just, I know something was working that wasn't happening in the rest of the movie, and I don't think it's just the bright sunlight, which you know we love. Mm-hmm. No, it's the, it's the be? it's the space. It's the use of space in that scene. The whole thing is designed like uh, a funnel. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you come into it, it's a wide open space, and it gets narrower and narrower until you're house. literally going up creaky steps into a tiny house, right? Into the room in the back. Mm-hmm. And and then oh, that's a great point. And oh, then even further further narrower into a room in the back. It's literally just like it's getting tighter and tighter in physical space as he moves through it. And you know that as he moves into it, his exit is ne- is being kind of blocked off right like yeah, they're sort of yeah scooping yeah. around him so it's i think it's i think it's a just a really good visual trick because it, and it's a uh, what you just described sounds to me like a horror movie maybe he mm-hmm. a horror movie is where he's headed i think that that's, was i think that's good. what i've read somewhere that he's gonna he wants to make a horror movie next that, or that makes sense that um, makes sense to me but no yeah. more Star. What about the Star Trek? I thought he was gonna do Star Trek. He's next. probably still gonna do that. I'm assuming, right? <laughs> I I love I love that he's doing something nobody wants. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I liked that. I did like that part um, where they're at the Samo Ranch, the Muscle Ranch. Spawn. Spawn Ranch. Spawn Ranch. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I did like that scene as well, just because it sort of felt like it turned into a different kind of movie because now as soon as you get there like there's actually tension even with the two horseback riders who were touring with the bad guy tech techs mm-hmm. and yeah. um you know like in my mind i was thinking oh because like i said 
I wasn't familiar with how many people they've killed or what. So I was like, I was thinking maybe they were going to kill those tourists. Right. Um, so that's where my mind went to immediately when I saw that. And then, yeah, as Brad Pitt is going closer and closer to the house. And then um, also, I think that scene felt more like a Tarantino movie than like other parts of it. Like even yeah. when he's talking to um, the red haired, uh, squeaky from to squeaky, squeaky from. Which was a Dakota, that was Dakota Fanning, right? That was that little girl from World yeah. of Worlds. I, I didn't recognize her, but um, when he's talking to her through the screen and, you know, she's describing, like, what they do on Sundays and it does a close-up on her face and then you see the back of her head and you see, obviously, like... Oh, another thing, too, in that in that part is, like, everything just felt so fucking dirty i was like can these people yeah. please wash themselves like can they wash like can they clean their house like what's going on like i was just like oh like just made me feel really gross watching that part but yeah. um no but it, yeah it was I, I think it was i would say it was one of my favorite scenes um along with the scene with leonardo dicaprio when he's like really acting and the little girl oh yeah where he like yeah, throws a little good. girl i i really like that part as well but yeah um yeah. it did feel more like this is Tarantino. Just I don't know. Like you, yeah. Like you woke up for a second. And mm-hmm. It has that. The, the one part I really like. That's probably not going to sound that interesting if you're not seeing it. But when he's talking to everybody outside, and kind of the, it was it was a very Tarantino kind of moment. Like offhand, uh, squeaky from is you don't see her, but you can hear. Her and she's like, "Tell me when he gets up to the door." Oh yes, that part too. Right. Tell me. Tell me when he's at the sidewalk. Tell me if he comes <laughs> near the house. That shit was great. It was so mm-hmm. perfect. Like some, he used to nail realistic dialogue. Now he does this kind of hyper real, um, play like dialogue. I think that's why he wants to do plays. But I forgot that when I saw Reservoir Dogs at the time, I remember thinking, "This is amazing because this sounds like what people would do if they were just talking all day, just sitting in cars and talking about just shooting the shit." And so when she was doing that whole thing about, tell me if he looks over here, it said just felt really real. And uh, it was just kind of exciting. I don't know. But yeah, we should talk about the the acting in the acting. Like it's, yeah. not, it's not easy for an actor to act like they're acting. So DiCaprio must be fucking good at it because that felt like somebody, that felt like somebody doing a different thing than what they're doing in the movie you're watching, if that makes sense. Yeah, he had a really good device for that, which is that his character, when he's not acting, stutters, right? Yeah. Oh, you're right. Which is mm-hmm. a, which is a good little. It's. I think that's kind of how you separate those two worlds, right? And the the stuttering is kind of goofy and affected and whatever. And uh, if I do have a quibble, I think you, Rios, I think you brought this up, was that there wasn't really much in the way of like character development outside of like who they kind of represent archetypally. But I think that, yeah, he basic he goes for like the kind of like stuttery goofball when he's not acting, and then when he's acting, it's it would just be like if he was acting in a movie. Like the acting make, is almost more real than the quote unquote real character. Yeah, that's why I don't understand why he indulged in showing him in other movies so long when that one scene did all the work, right. where it. It made it, it brought us into that world, you know, through the facade of the, you know, the the, the typical like, in a in a western you have the facade of the front of the of all those houses and all and the saloon and the jail, and we go into that and we see him 
there and we see him like bring us in there so we're it goes on so long that you're starting to not it's like you're reacting to scenes of the movie and the movie exactly the same as you're acting reacting to the movie um, which is both good and bad it means that he's making such a his movies are so artificial now that his movies within the movies aren't that much different like when he's fighting Nazis at the beginning it's not a whole lot different than the ending right oh I think I lost you guys Oh no, we're here. We're just looking at each other. I'm looking, I'm looking at Rios, Rios to comment on this. I'm just saying, like, do we need all those scenes of DiCaprio acting, even though he does it so good? What do you guys think? No. We don't need those. <laughs> I questioned that from the beginning, actually. I was like, why are we watching this? Yeah, I, I did have that go through my head a couple times thinking why does this have to be a thing that we're watching right now but I don't know yeah I, I like that idea that um well first it's in, it's in Hollywood which is already like extra 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 superficial like kind of just geography and then yeah it's like a movie within a movie within a movie so it's like he's taking you into all these little levels of just fakeness in a way yeah where like like uh osborne said where he's his at his most real where he's at his most effective you know that's that that's his big moment when in this real shitty spaghetti western he nails a scene and that's a big triumph so i can understand that whole sequence uh, i just for the life of me I, I keep coming back to the great escape sequence where they force gump him into the scene yeah. where he says I didn't get the Steve McQueen role, you know, and then, and then I, he's thinking about it, I guess. He's fantasizing about it. Yeah. But we see but we see the whole damn scene. Why? I kept waiting for him to, like, fuck with it. It's like the fantasy. He doesn't indulge in the fantasy enough. If he's going to, mm-hmm. if you're going to fantasize, go the whole nine. Like, why not murder Charles Manson in your movie? Why hold to the facts when they limit your fantasy? Why do we have to, if the fantasy is we got to, he's going to kill the people that killed Tate and her, whoever was at the party that night, they've already fucked with the facts enough that they haven't mm-hmm. come to the wrong, they're at the wrong house. So at the wrong house, you can tell he was scrambling. Like he's at the wrong house and he probably thought, Tarantino thinks, how do I get him to have the same number of people in danger? Because you only have two people we've ever seen at this house. So now we've got, uh, oh yeah, he gets a wife uh, on the way home on the plane. Like where the <laughs> fuck did that come from? That was just to have, that was only to have a woman in the house. Mm-hmm. That was only to have enough people in the house to make it emulate what happened in real life. Right. So if you're already get, if you're gonna play with that already, why not kill Charles Manson in your movie? What? Who are you saving him for? You know what I mean? Like, it, it's 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 like he was making it up as he went along. Or that's true. We just see him briefly, and then all of a sudden, you're just supposed to know, like, hey, that's the Manson family or whatever. And yeah, you he, don't see that. Yeah, he's there for how long? What's his scene? He just walks up the. Yeah, he in a he's in an ice cream truck, which I thought of you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm glad that when also, Charles Manson comes on screen, you know, because of the ice cream truck. Yeah, right. I know. Okay, I was like, just, okay. just give him a mandate here like, a hard time. Okay, I was like, was his yeah. flip flops? David would never wear flip flops like that. I, you, can't, you would never catch me in flip flops. Hell no, I would not allow it. Unless they're Gucci slides, baby. 
Slides only. Can we talk about Brad Pitt's forearms? Ooh, we. What a couple He's looking of tree good. trunks. So I, I take it you guys were not a, uh, just mortally offended that he beat up Bruce Lee in this fantasy movie I don't called give a Once, shit. Once I, Upon a Time and whatever. I was like, this would never happen. I knew it was Bruce Lee. Like that's who I knew. I, I was. I knew. You know. I knew that immediately. And I was thinking, no way. Like, <laughs> of course, there's. It's no. It's no way that you know he's gonna kill the the Manson psychos either. So it felt like a pretty small fantasy in the realm of all the other fantasies. If, like if they're gonna fantasize, of course he's gonna kick Bruce Lee's ass. I had a friend when I was in maybe seventh grade who talked about his dad. Who he said he said that his dad was a was a black belt in martial arts. And he told, he told this story about one time his dad was training in the dojo, practicing his katas. And <laughs> apparently Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris both walked in <laughs> and challenged him to a fight. Mm-hmm. And apparently this guy's dad just beat both of their asses. He was this kind of oh, sloppy, wow, crust, punky kind of kid. Um, so all I'm saying is that it's it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> it's not outside of the realm of possibility. Well, I mean, that's this what kid's they, dad that's beat up see. Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee at the same time. I mean, come exactly, on. Dude. You're seeing the equivalent of your friend's bullshit story because that's what <laughs> – and also, you know, I've had uh, my whole lifetime understanding that Bruce Lee is amazing and I own, you know, Enter the Dragon and, you know, his other movies are pretty shitty. But I, I appreciate that he's amazing. So so what? To this time, they fucked him up and made him look stupid. Like, mm-hmm. okay, at least that's different. Like, if he would have beat up everybody in the room, I would have been a little bored. <laughs> but the fact that I think that I would have liked to have seen him, Brad Pitt, doing it in an ugly, weird way rather than – I told you this before. I hate white people doing martial arts. It's just embarrassing to watch. Yeah, it reminds me of Marvel that. movies. <laughs> yes. So I'm glad he didn't quite do that. He just kind of did a little toss. Yeah. But I, I would have been funny if he would have, like, if I was Brad Pitt, I would have befriended him, and then hours later after talking to him, I would have just like hit him in the back of the head like a cheap shot, you know, <laughs> like a like be like sucker punch him or do something gross and weird, like not face him on his own level. I don't even remember the fight. He he like pivots and throws him right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he just throws it's him not, into the not, car. Yeah, it's not really a fight. But um, that that upset a lot of people because they said, "Well, how dare you? He yeah. wouldn't. That would never happen." You know. Meanwhile, in his previous movie, everybody was like, "Yeah, machine gun Hitler in the face, like you know, real right. life." Right. But that's because it's Hitler. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. probably you're saying, Bruce, you're saying Bruce Lee is not <laughs> the same yeah. as Hitler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But again, this, this goes back to the, what we were saying earlier about the Manson girls and Tex mm-hmm. Avery, is it, whatever his name is. They're not Hitler either. Te- it's, I it's, believe it's Tex Watson. Uh, okay. Watson. Well, te- they're, in the context of this movie, they're not Hitler. Like, it's funny to watch Hitler get machine gunned in the face because he's already Hitler in that movie. In this movie, they're just kind of assholes who haven't, done, who haven't killed anybody yet. Um, and they get it as bad as Hitler, arguably a little worse because he probably Hitler died immediately when uh, what's his name? Uh, what's that guy's made hostile when he machine gun him in the face? Eli Roth. Yeah. These people suffered immensely at the hands of the director. Right. And they all, all they did was, you know, nothing really in the movie. I think that also probably has to do with the fact that it seemed as though Tarantino became intensely infatuated with like Sharon Tate as a person. For sure. Yeah. yeah so, so I think 
that's where that comes from as well um and yeah so I was thinking about that scene and then I was thinking about yeah it did feel it felt um well for one I wasn't sure if I was ready to like face that kind of violence just because of like shit that's been going down um here and like just things that have happened like this the last week has been fucking weird and heavy but at the same time I think because it was um so over the top and so excessive it like yeah it's trying to make him look stupid right it's trying to make him look foolish well no it like right more more like it's like it I think it I like hear what you're created that um, the idea that you know when you watch like so I can watch you know something hyper violent like that in a movie but I could never be able to actually like if that were happening in real life that's not something that I would actually be able to like face or see and mm-hmm. so that was I don't I don't know where I'm going with that just um, how it was just could- an interesting. Um, it wasn't an interesting scene. It was very. It was. It was. It was a lot. Like it was a lot. And like even when he's like bashing that girl's face in, I was just like, oh my god! Like that was my that was my reaction though. But I think part of that reason is because right, I I wasn't familiar with what with what happened, and also Tarantino didn't set it up like he did like with Kill Bill or you know like where it's a revenge mm-hmm. movie, so you know that the way that they die isn't gonna be like right, like right. that that she's gonna kill the people, but like in this it. I don't know like it didn't maybe because it didn't feel like a revenge film at the end I was sort of like just more shocked and yeah I think that I I think that this movie is like a it's a movie where artifice is in conversation with reality Mm. right so yeah it's it's in a weird limbo in between well they're like they're talking to each other so when you have something like uh Bruce Lee, in the same way that Sharon Tate is a sort of spirit avatar mm-hmm. of innocence, Bruce Lee is like a spirit avatar of like the kind of badass action star. And he's sort of used as a foil for our our kind of like avenging angel character to establish his his bona fides, as Al Pacino says in the movie, even though I believe it's uh, pronounced bona fides, but whatever. <laughs> uh, nerd alert. Uh, but like... Another dead... Another sorry, another dead end character. Like, what the fuck was Al Pacino even doing in this movie? He's wearing funny glasses, bro. I don't. Um, even, I don't even remember what he said except, "Oh, I love the killing." Do, 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 yeah. I love the... <laughs> yeah, that was. He makes was... a good trailer, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Um. But like, so so basically, like the the whole movie is like it's it's a fictional fantasy in conversation with reality, and it's like in a lot of ways it's a corrective to that but also it's kind of using 1969 hollywood as a sort of mythology right it's a it's a myth with all of these characters who it be, it becomes difficult because these characters actually lived so we we when we're talking about the the conversations that we have we're inevitably slipping back and forth between talking about them as movie characters and them bringing along all the baggage of everything that they're supposed to represent and how that functions as a tool within the film and then who they were as real people so when it comes to somebody like bruce lee of course bruce lee would have you know beaten his ass but that's not what that's not what's going on in this in this movie that character is 
more of a badass than Bruce Lee. You can agree with that or disagree with that as a choice, but um, it, it's kind of in the same way that in this movie, you know, like the two kind of, so they're both sort of bumbling. Like Brad Pitt is really cool and Zen. He's kind of like a ripped version of the dude, right? Where he just kind of like wanders through like, oh, kind of whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's <coughs> like that sort of like, uh, he represents a kind of like casual, uh, I think masculinity, right? He's also, I think, we're overlooking the fact that he's probably a murderer. Like I think if it Definitely wasn't Brad, murder, yeah. if it wasn't Brad Pitt being, being you know like mm-hmm. as smooth as he is anyway, he's still, he's doing his Brad Pitt thing, right? You know, he's doing Brad, Brad Pitt is basically he's basically Lewis from Jackie Brown, just cool. Remember Lewis? Yeah, yeah I can see that. Or, or yeah, or Brad Pitt, right? Right. You know, and so he's, if it wasn't him all the facts that we have um also with the bruce leaf scene i think there's a little bit of an out where you're seeing it through the memory of the guy himself so mm-hmm. it's going to be exaggerated possibly it might not have happened that way anyway either way i think all this stuff establishes and, and the the backstory of him possibly killing his wife mm-hmm. with a harpoon which is a, a pretty alarming aside mm-hmm. to for the movie to forget about and i don't think it it really i think all that stuff is supposed to be in our heads by the time we get to the end we're supposed to think he's not the dude he's not lebowski he's a scary weirdo right <laughs> who he's a scary weirdo and they went to the wrong house they went to the house with the scary weirdo mm-hmm. and if it was anybody else pick somebody pick a character actor with a fucked up face then you i think you have what is intended with that character the fact that they had to pick two people that kind of look alike I guess Brad Pitt and DiCaprio kind of look alike when they slick their hair back on the sets or whatever. But DiCaprio has always had that big fetus face, so it's tough for me to... (laughs) You know, he looks like a baby. He looks like an actual baby, whereas Brad Pitt always kind of looks like this perfect specimen. And um, I don't know. I think he's supposed to be scary. I think you're supposed to think they went to a killer's house. Um, And that's a whole different movie Mm. without without that casting, Hmm. you know? Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess the reason why I, I relate that scene back to the Jackie Brown scene is you remember when Bridget Fonda's like following Robert De Niro in the parking lot? And yes. she's just like, Lewis. Where's Lewis, the car? Where's, where's the, the car, car Lewis? And um, there, uh, Tarantino had a great line about, like in the script for Jackie Brown about about Lewis, which is that he's like an he's like an actor who is going through life and he, he kind of remembers the lines, but he's sort of just like sort of going with it, you know? Like he's sort of kind of making it up as he goes along. And yeah, so I just, I mean, I guess I just saw, like, if you had Lewis, but less of a of an idiot and more, like you said, like, I, I like your take on it that we're actually mm-hmm. supposed to see Brad Pitt. He's a fucking sociopath, right? Like he's, yeah. he's a, or maybe even a psychopath in, in this case. Um, yeah, he smile, smiles a lot, but he's, yeah, he's scary. Right, right. Also, I, this might, I don't know if this is a script doctor moment, but Script I think doctor. they could. I think they could have fixed the ending just by. Uh, I know you're not supposed to read Helter Skelter before you see this movie, but they killed a, a whole other household of pe- full of people, like the 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 La Biancas, um, right. the night, the, a whole night earlier. Right. So well, it was just that, a husband and wife, but I get your your point is taken. Yeah. So yeah. So it's another home invasion that mm-hmm. happened the night before. 
So in the in the world of this movie, his indifference towards that is kind of gross, I think, because not just because the they're not addressed in his movie, they don't exist, right. or did they or did they already kill him? Either way, I think the to script doctorate, all you had to do is have them do that. Mm-hmm. You can still right. save the day. You establish them as dangerous. They're not. I know he doesn't get the the punchline of look at these buffoons, and that's his new thing is taking, you know, taking uh, Hitler and slavery and Mansons and like I'm making clowns out of them. Look at me. I I've changed the world. I've changed history. But you can still make them scary enough to justify what he does to them by having the LaBianca thing actually occur. Which and maybe it did. I don't know. They they seem to roll up this that night and go straight to that house. So again, if you're gonna play with the facts. Why, um, why not go all the way and uh, mm-hmm. or or back it up and have us see them kill somebody? Well, I don't know if they if they did just because when they all go into the house, well, they all seemed kind of well. The text he seemed like okay, he was down, like that's what he was gonna go do. But then as soon as he pulled the gun out, like his hand is shaking, like he's like mm-hmm. nervous that, about what he's about to do so i don't know if they had done that the night before or yeah it just didn't seem like it it seemed like this was the first time that they were gonna go and and kill people yeah um and then i mean i i don't know what they actually looked like in real life but like were they just kind of scrawny like hippie looking people I always thought of Tex as this Frankenstein monster. He was big. That's he the was thing. Big. Yeah. In real oh. life, he was, he was a big. Oh, because he's a skinny, yeah. skinny, like, like he's a kid hip, with stringy it, hair. Like you know, like that's di- so different. Instead of being a hippie by accident, you're just this monster that they've taken in. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's how I thought of him in, in, him? The, mm-hmm. in Helter Skelter. Oh, okay, so he's actually like. Yeah. Yeah. He's big, a big scary. Like he, he's their he's he's their attack dog essentially. Okay. He's their brandy. He's their brandy. Right, right. Um, and, and he's and he was kind of mindless the way they described him. So in in this, he's he's much more thoughtful in this, at least in the way that I I love the way that history changes and a new a new tangent is formed, literally on on the road and like a it's like a fork in the road, right? They come out and DiCaprio's a dick to him, and that's enough to change history, right? Right. That's enough for them to reflect on who they want to kill and what they want to do. And like, and then they give your big speech, which what you were saying earlier about they're, they're talking about being influenced by these, these movies and blaming them for shitty things. Like if DiCaprio wouldn't have wandered out there with his, what does he have? Like a margarita in a blender or something. Mm-hmm. He's like, get, the, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and that's enough to change history. That's hilarious. I did like that a lot. That all and that little the, rant too. That little rant too is, is <laughs> it, go, it goes to his thesis, right? It's this whole thing of like you know, people are too stupid to realize that movies are just movies. You know what I mean? That like movies don't make you kill people. You know, you yeah. you kill people because you're weak-minded. Kind of in a weird way relates to sort of what's been going on with like everybody with all the shootings. Instead of being like, let's do something about guns, they're like, ah, I know what's the the hunt. We have to get rid of the hunt. Look at that stupid movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. Yeah, also, um, I think a detail that I would have liked to know, because then this this could be something that Tarantino could have used, because David told me afterwards um, that 
part of like the Manson family, what they were trying to do was create, start a race war. So that would have been a good detail to have known. Been like, oh, these fuckers are white supremacists. Like fucking kill right. them. You yeah, know what he, I'm saying? He, like, he leaves that out. Yeah, because he gives them that speech about movies. That's like, where's your speech about, you know, I'm not going to say all the shit that's in Helter Skelter, but they, they pumped them up full of all sorts of racist hatred to act the part, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's a layer of, you know, pretend like you're white supremacists so that we can get, you know, white people, black people to kill each other. And then we will, it's like South Park, you know, with the question mark and then profit. I don't understand how it works. Yeah, well, they, they could have, they, the, the same way that you talked about how they could have shown the LaBianca murders before mm-hmm. any of that took place, uh, Tex murdered a, a drug dealer, a black drug dealer mm-hmm. who, was, who was delivering cocaine to them. And that was actually like, you know how sharks like smell blood in the water and then they just they go into like a feeding frenzy that's kind of what kicked off all the violence was this kind of like yeah this coke dealer came to the house he felt like they had shorted him they got into an argument and tex basically stabbed him to death and that was what kind of like they were like let's go do it let's 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 go on the spree right so and you can you can see why he does it you can see why he can't do he has to do all or nothing right instead he just dabbles with manson which is a weird move he just dabbles with it. He's just going to like, here's a little bit of Manson so I can have that ending you guys are waiting for. Mm. And that's why I feel like the uh, Sharon Tate stuff is off balance. With so much of her, it's not the movie that we're promised. And the Roman Polanski stuff is not addressed. That was weird. I think it was, I was talking to Cody Goodfellow about it. And he said, and he hated the movie. So I had to take, that was the role of defending the movie to him where I'm kind of doing the opposite with you. But he was saying, the movie, Tarantino's not smart enough to know the interesting things that he was doing in that movie. And I think that's a great sentence, right? Like, there's some layers there with bait, with uh, Rosemary's baby and the fact that she's pregnant and Roman Polanski mm-hmm. and all that shit. Mm-hmm. There's all these, like, she's going to, is she birthing this new, this new world? Or, you know, there's something evil about this impending new generation i think all that stuff is fascinating and the kind of stuff that we can apply meaning to not necessarily did it occur to tarantino i don't know but there's there's a lot of layers there with with rosemary's baby and the baby and roman polanski was never none of that shit about him is addressed um not that he has to address everything but um that's the first roman polanski i've seen since i don't know since what When's the last time you heard his name or somebody portray him anywhere? And it, you're playing with fantasy, so can we, it seems like it's just missed opportunities. A pop culture guy with all these zingers, all these little digs, you can't put in a little zinger about Roman Polanski being a rapist. Like, put a little zinger in. Give us a little something. Right. Like, it's, right. you should have been, we should have been rolling with the Steve McQueen pops up. He's a fucking weirdo. All these fucking weirdos, mm-hmm. and instead he treats them like, oh, here comes the next bit of royalty. It's like, just fucking skewer these guys. And mm-hmm. it'd be hilarious. He does that with his other characters. Why can't you do it with these guys? Why do you have to serve them up like it's these little precious little presents? It's a anyway. good question, man. It's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. I actually hated it. I, I take it all back. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I got to pivot again and defend it. God damn it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, 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 I still, I, I think that like all of your guys' points are, are well, well taken and well made. Um, 
but I guess I guess what I what I'll say just kind of as like my sort of like final defense of it like you know I like movies where people just kind of do stuff right you know that I, I get I get real anxious and uh, uneasy whenever there's there's too much plot so the fact that there's not a whole lot of plot and it's mostly folks doing stuff like feeding their dog and fixing antennas and practicing lines and stuff I was like okay I can really get into this and I also I just really liked 1969 Hollywood like I just yeah 1669 nice one I just really enjoyed like kind of like being in that world and for somebody who definitely went through like a Manson phase uh, I what? Did you 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 buried the lead? What? Well, I became, I was like obsessed with it, right? Like I didn't I wasn't like uh, into Manson as like this kind of like hero figure. I was but, like, wow. But no, but I, I became like obsessed with like the the case itself. You're like, right? you're like I got all the Charles Manson action figures still in the case. <laughs> There's a lot of weird stuff going on with Manson, man. Like his life in general is just re- he's this he really is this sort of like institutionalized crazy person who like essentially from the moment he was a child he's just repeatedly raped and beaten and sent to jail and then rinse and repeat until you have this kind of like psychopath who comes out and makes friends with one of the beach boys and decides that he's going to be a pop star and ends up you know having this hold on all these people who he gets to go do his racist bidding it's just like it's frightening and, and fascinating so anyway knowing all that about that the ending for me really worked i was like yes well, I think yeah, the Manson stuff—the way you describe it—it's um, uh, like when the when they're arguing about the foot massage, whether it's uh, something you should or should not do to somebody's wife. Like, right. like at the end of that scene, he convinces him to go the other way. I feel like you're convincing me a little bit that it's a little better mm. than I thought, based on the Manson stuff. Right. Just because I'd forgotten when you were describing your own interest in it, I totally forgot that there was this weird time in like the '90s when it was people were like into Manson. Oh yeah. Like they do you remember like there was a there was a Guns N' Roses song? He was wearing his t shirt around without oh, any dude. iron. No, irony. I mean there was the guy from the guitar player, Darren Malakian from System of a Down used to wear a Manson shirt and they one of their songs is called A T W A, which is Air Trees, Water Animals, which was man a song that Manson wrote, right? because uh, Darren was really into his like environmental message. There was a period of time there, yeah, where like people like i mean marilyn manson right like where people just had this it was like oddly, Wait, that's not that's not his name oddly they were they were oddly it was oddly like culturally quote-unquote okay to sort of like lionize the dude in a weird way so yeah it is gross it's totally gross and that's that's different than like uh see i feel like mandy is the best manson takedown i've seen interesting okay because that guy here's you got the pop musician and he's got, and he's kind of a, he's a dangerous hippie, and with a, I don't know, he's a tiny penis. Doesn't do Hanson have a tiny penis? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't Probably. Know. Sure. He was a tiny person in general, right? Mm-hmm. So I just feel like Man- Mandy was the, was the Manson movie that, that really takes a shit on him, mm-hmm. where this movie, is doing that tightrope walk you described earlier. It's it's making them out to be buffoons at the end, but Charles Manson himself treated with a weird amount of reverence mm, interesting yeah he comes just in a figure it, who just appears and then disappears yeah. sinisterly also what was the point of him going up their like driveway if that wasn't even the first house that they were going to go to they ended up going to yeah it made no sense Dalton's tarantino's like... so weird well did you know that the guy who plays manson in this is playing manson in the tv show mind hunter 
I didn't know that. Which is a tip. That's such a Tarantino move. Like uh, Michael Keaton in Out of Sight plays the same character in Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kurt Russell is not quite stuntman Mike, but he seems to be <laughs> the same guy. It's like right. Tarantino likes using people twice in essentially the same roles, but without doing any work. It's it's like the laziest extended universe ever. <laughs> it's just here's just a bunch of people. Eh, you kind of remind true. me of this other thing I did. Let's do it again, but not really. I don't. It's too Dave, tough to make. Dave, it. I can't make it fit. Dave, I, re- I reject your premise, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I reject your hypothesis. I reject your hypothesis. More, Jeeves, bring me more feet. <laughs> Just a plate of feet, please. <laughs> I would like to rub them upon my face. Um, well, Rios so is grossed s- out, so we've alienated oh. our first guest. <laughs> bring, her, let's bring her back oh, into the fold here. Lasted so long. We didn't even talk about the Uma Thurman stuff. I was. Yeah, let's let's I, let's turn it over here. We we can we can talk about. Uh, I love Tar- Uma Thurman. Tarantino as a as a as a is a problematic figure well he if you i don't think she, uh, rios if you ever listened to our previous podcast where we we offer up the hypothesis it's okay that tarantino tried to kill uma thurman because he didn't try to rape her but that's somehow our our, our hypothesis that we, we stood by are we I'll still standing by that I'll let, I'll, let the, I'll let the silence you, hang there you're just gonna moment. let you're gonna let me hang on that one of all the things to let me hang on no, he's he tries to kill his actors maybe in a car wreck. That's problematic, but I'm I'm weirdly okay with it. I don't know because he, he wasn't Harvey Weinstein is what we're saying. Like he's not yeah. like a he's not a sex pest. He's a, and, he's a psycho. And I think he did his penance in this movie. He seemed to be trying to kill his actors in cars again. Did you notice they were driving very fast? And it yeah. was definitely it was definitely them. It mm-hmm. was the same. It was the same famous shot of Uma Thurman behind the wheel when she breaks her leg driving fast in tight spaces i think he thought let me roll the dice maybe i'll luck out and i'll break the guy's leg this time and i'll be out of the doghouse i don't know i don't know i think rios um, has really good thoughts about this so i'm gonna i'm gonna turn it over i don't to have her. any thoughts i i'm ready to be convinced either way no i'm not trying to convince anyone of anything i just when I so this is just this is just a personality trait for me and David knows me very well so he understands but if yeah like for me if someone (laughs) if like someone fucks up and like I'm I'm not I'm not gonna use the word canceled I don't I don't cancel people but I just like don't fuck with them anymore or like I can I am someone who does not separate the I guess the artist from the art so if like an artist does something that's super fucked up then even if it was an influence for me before I just say nah like not anymore like I'm I'm through with it I'm done with it and it doesn't matter like what kind of influence it it had on me before it's just I just started to move on so I think with yeah, with Tarantino, um, I just don't want to say anything because I know that there's a lot of like Tarantino fanboys who literally will just defend him. Not doesn't matter, like what you that's say. The, that's the, yeah, that's the worst. Is you know, um, uh, we don't want them on our side. We we just <laughs> we discovered that we were trying to stick up for Tarantino on the internet, and a bunch of people we hated. We're like, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, right. Moonwalk back. Into it's the always just like, so can you guys no. please stop helping? You know? Yeah, like, don't help. 
yeah. but then we had people that you know the other side of the coin where we had that meltdown uh, i keep saying we because I, I don't want to feel as alone as the last time i went out on a limb and said that other line you left me hanging on so i'm gonna keep saying we as if this is both of us yeah but we talked about going to see no by the movie. way I, I i won't leave you hanging on that man i i do i do think that when you make movies specifically movies with a lot of stunts like actors are going to be put in danger my point with it was that they're making millions and millions of dollars and it's hard for me to really care about their safety but oh I mean, of course dude I, that's i think it's i that, think it goes without saying that like you know it's it's obviously better it's good that he's it's good that he's not a sex pest that's all i'm saying i, I, mean, I hear what you're saying that. but that's exactly sure. why you know rios is also right that we, if we don't care about actors in danger why do we give a fuck about directors either you know what i mean Good like it's yeah. another rich person so right it's i don't feel like i should have to defend him if he if this movie would have been better i would have been more excited about defending him <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean right. like here's the thing like compare i compare his transgressions to like mel gibson who is clearly an alcoholic racist psychotic monster yeah, mm. fuck who, who, who makes some pretty good so, so when I look at it, I'm like. But see, I feel the if, same. I feel the same about Mel Gibson. Like now, I'm like, nah. Like I'm not gonna watch any of his fucking movies. Fuck that you guy. Make, you make a lot of sense. You make a lot of sense. <laughs> let me let me just offer this. Let me offer this. When Mel Gibson makes a movie like Apocalypto, or um, mm-hmm. one of his his movies, I think bring joy to people. And let's say we have this we have this person who's in jail and he's done something horrible. And like to spend time, he let's say he he knits hats for homeless fucking cats or something, and people are like, you know what? At least he's doing something positive. In my mind, Mel Gibson is doing something positive by bringing joy to the masses with with what a, movies? A, with a fine, he's a he's a pretty good director. What movies so has not, he directed? Passion of the Christ. Passion of the Christ. The te- yeah, the Texas Chainsaw, the, the Jesus Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> The most violent movie ever that misses the whole point of if anybody is into like Jesus, that's we got a movie for you that skips all the Jesus stuff and it just shows his horrible death for two hours. Right. But that's part of Mel Gibson's like martyr issue. Like every movie he has to he was crucifying himself, like in Braveheart and fucking the Mad Max movies. Mm-hmm. So we finally had to actually have the crucifixion. Right. Anyway, we're getting away from the point. If he can just bring a little bit of joy by making movies, I say then let's let him make let him make movies. He's a piece of shit. Let him let him bring a let him knit some hats. For the or cats. he could just actually knit hats and not oh, make movies. Point. Oh, good point. Just stop. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good I mean, point. He, could. he could, but who's going to replace him? These fucking no these no talent people coming up, they suck. Everybody's terrible. Wow. Like if you can give give me somebody who's good. <laughs> Give me, and I will, I will throw out my Mel Gibson so fast. Why so do you fast. love Mel Gibson so much? I just, I tried to go to the worst one because I tried to find who's, who's the, the person who seems to be the worst out of all these guys. Like he, he seems to be pretty bad. If you listen to his answering machine messages, Tarantino just tried to kill his star. Mel Gibson's, uh, <laughs> Mel Gibson is like a crazed racist anti-Semite. His dad might be an actual Nazi. I just tried to pick the worst one. I just wanted to do a thought experiment. But I'm oh, saying I, I didn't know that his dad was an actual Nazi. So he was on the Joe Rogan show talking about stem cells and how his dad got stem cells and it totally cured his can't like that brings an extra layer to where those stem cells might have come yeah. from. 
Like, what the fuck, Nazi man? Science. Jesus oh Christ. God. But yeah, no, I um, I I don't know where. Uh, listen, I don't want I don't want you guys. Don't let me. Don't leave me with my last line being. Why can't white people just make movies? Leave them alone. <laughs> no, 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 not at all, not at all, no, 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 no. Um, no, but I I I think let the I, let the whites make movies. I also I want to I want to throw I want to throw something out there too, which is like you know a lot of people like Marvel movies. Do you see that? You, well, no, you sent me this that it came out that the Marvel CEO is like a huge Trump donor. Of course, dude, we predicted that ten we years did. ago. We, we did. started. Yeah, we totally predicted. We had a, a caricature of our imaginary <laughs> Marvel executive chomping on cigars and forcing an intern's head mm, down in his groin. Give me that woke shit. And it turns out, of course, they are. Of course, all this yeah. stuff that's all the pandering stuff is manufactured by some white piece of shit. Of course, that, that totally makes sense. Just even like the concept of like Captain America and like just you know who we see as heroes and yeah, that totally makes sense to me actually. And it's like, and it's all the movies are like authoritarian, technocratic. Like it's it's basically like what if Jeff Bezos could fix everything? It's kind of like um oh like <laughs> right. like Doctor Who like Doctor Who um have you seen the new season of Doctor Who? No, I don't really I don't really watch that. I okay. heard there was a it wasn't one of them a Doctor Who a woman a woman doctor is kind of ridiculous. Wow. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Oh gosh. Well, those were I've never this, seen. This is this show. conversation I've is this conversation it. is turning into everything I was terrified I've, it would turn I've, into. I've never seen the show. I don't mean that was a joke. I meant a real doctor. <laughs> oh my. All right, go on real. Another joke. Point. The jokes. Another, go on with your point. Oh, the jokes. <laughs> so, why am I left hanging? But maybe your saying? jokes aren't funny. Oh! <laughs> Fucking tango down, no, no, baby, no. tango down. Um, well, there's a well. Doctor Who is a British show, and a lot of times, I mean, I I love Doctor Who, but um, can, I just, can I just say my real doctor is a woman, just real quick, in case. Oh, for God's sakes, let her talk. <laughs> Stop interrupting me, Keaton. I'm sorry. I'm so... <laughs> Wow. Beep. <laughs> this is a lot of fun, folks. This is a lot of fun. But please continue, Rios. Okay, well, in in one of the newer episodes where, right, the woman, the doctor is a woman, um, there's this episode where it's this company, sort of like Amazon, that's creating all these packages. And um, what is it? Someone, do you remember the, it's like someone is... Like someone has planted bombs, mm -hmm. and so all these bombs are going to get delivered. Mm -hmm. um, and it's this one person who they have to like convince that things like like this manufacturing thing, like Amazon, I guess it's supposed to be that they're a good thing. Um, and it's just like a strange sort of message that it's giving to I think like younger people that are watching it, mm -hmm. like oh yeah, these kinds of things are good. Like capitalism is awesome, and like mm -hmm. um, even just the idea that the British are like okay, because the Doctor is British and he or she goes to different planets and they save the planet. So it's like the idea of like um, you know the white savior, mm -hmm. um, and so yeah, it makes sense that Marvel would have similar things, you know. Like right. was Captain America is the right. first that comes to my head because that's what he's supposed to be representing is like patriotism and like the right things to do and like you know he's he's sort of given this role like like a pure hmm. yeah a pure character 
as well because like you know his his undying love for peggy or whatever was that her yeah so. yeah like you know he he never loves anyone else and like so he's supposed to be representative of like all the good things that these things these this brings to the table but it made me think of yeah doctor who well yeah, yeah it's because like any of these countries the mythology that they create is directly comes from like their cultural hegemony right so like with with uh doctor who he's like an alien who's a billion years old and he oversaw a war that essentially like genocided an entire race of people he's not a billion well he's well, he's old uh and so the, go ahead okay no i was just i've never seen the show so you, just real quick so there's a there's a subplot where amazon an amazon like entity is is uh, seen as a good thing yes is that what you're saying right. yes Right. Yeah, that's a that's a bold move. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so basically, like you have this guy who's like who has this past where he's essentially murdered tons and tons of people, and now he's going around making everything right by sort of injecting himself in the affairs of other planets and sort of like inserting himself in there and, and saving them. And then in America, you get again, you get like these kind of like technocratic elite people who are just better than the masses, who are through the, whether it's their money or through like odd eugenics programs become stronger they're blood and, boys they got some blood boys yeah exactly and so and then you know the answer that that marvel has for you know making things equal is a movie like black panther where you say like let's not address any of the, like the actual problems here let's actually have the the bad guy have the most solid point to make but let's just say like what if we had everything that makes you know american capitalism terrible and we up it to 10 and say like look like black people can do imperialist capitalism even better than than white people can even though i understand wakanda is isolationist and all that but that's that's problematic in and of itself it's like it's it's this little it's a little israel right which you know might might be going into i'll just leave israel out of it but um but so basically yeah like when you have a show like this that is like doctor who which is so firmly entrenched in like capitalism of course you're going to get an episode where a guy who's girlfriend i guess was killed but was she was she worked to death or yeah like, they were worked to death they were worked to death yeah. like they were literally like that's that's that guy has every right to be pissed off but like at the end they have to frame it as like you don't want to do this you don't want to you don't want to lash out in any way shape or form because at the end of the day amazon is actually doing good for the for the world it's all like it's all kind of gross yeah i see what you guys are saying what about uh since we're on the controversies what about the controversy about his uh his use of women in his tarantino's use of women in like a um in like a very masculine way like uh the like in hateful eight he has uh what's her name jennifer um, jason lee yeah getting elbowed in the face a lot you know beat up a lot and so the defense is um and I can sort of see the point is it's if it's an equal opportunity violence in these movies, why not have the the women get as messed up as the men? Um, but is that is that just an excuse to beat the shit out of women? You know what uh, is is the critique of his treatment of women in his movies less interesting than a critique of the other things that his movies do or don't do effectively? Or is that um, is that something that we should we should address? Because this one went back to the old days, right? Women didn't they weren't mixing it up in this movie except to get beat down pretty severely, right? They weren't they weren't like Kill Bill, they weren't like Death Proof. Um, 
are those portrayals offensive? What do you think? She think it. It's on void. Um <clears throat> I mean, I don't know that I would call <sighs> Okay, so with this movie in particular, yeah, it I guess he he tried like with the but but he couldn't it's like he tried but it was with like a with a a child so like the child had a lot of lines and she said a lot of things that were you know like poignant and it was Mm. just like oh that's like really cute like this is like you know like an up-and-coming actress or whatever and then with like the adult women well i okay so so there was that child and then there was it was implied that the other children were like the manson family people so like the young woman who gets into brad pitt's car and the way that he um like the way that he shot that like when she's speaking to him in the car and then when it goes outside of the car you just see her ass or whatever and then like most of her conversation with brad pitt is like oh you know like um like can i suck your cock or whatever and it's not I don't know. Like, I don't know what he was going for there, but mostly, like, it was just really creepy to me um, that, you know, he's he was implying that this person was a child, but yet here she was. She was the one who was, you know, coming on to Brad Pitt, and she was the one who was, like, sticking her ass out of the, out of the car window, and um, she's the one who's, like, you know, dressed the way she is, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. So I don't know if with that he was, like, trying to imply that. I mean, obviously, like, um, I think, you know, when we when we were teenagers and things like that, like, we had certain amounts of agency and things like that. So, but, but yeah, so that... I'm sorry, I got me. Okay. Um, so I don't know that he really tried with that character in particular. Like, a lot of, a lot of his characters to me seem to just be, like, one note you know like so so her and then um even with Sharon Tate like I don't know that I really got to know what her character was like at all she was just kind of there in the background like you said at the beginning like a ghost um so I don't I don't know it's it's like Do you one think of, it's a... well well to okay. me it's, it's one of those things where I think um well this movie well going in like this movie it's something that's made by well a white man and I'm familiar with his previous work, whatever. But, like, I don't know. Like, I guess I shouldn't say that my expectations were necessarily high or anything like that. Like, I I mean, I'm trying to think of... I don't know if he has well... Does he have well, well-rounded characters, really, in his movies? It's more like they're, like, character... Caricatures, caricatures. Yeah. Um, yeah as opposed it's... to like actual like characters who um, like so so the characters will be driven by like one thing, but it's not <clears throat> it's not like complexity. Yeah. Like he doesn't give his his, his characters um, complexity. I think. Like. Yeah, he. I I agree with that. He he can. I guess he used to maybe. I don't know. They. You know, he's celebrated for having women 
women kicking ass, right? Yeah. But is that but is that interesting? You know, but I guess when you look at arguably one of his lesser movies like Death Proof, they've those women have a lot going on, and it's not just single minded and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's like I was saying to somebody else, it's like Bachelor Test the movie. It's you you want to see two groups of like five or six women talking nonstop about anything but men. That's your movie. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, you know, push comes to shove, they're still going to they're they're kicking ass. Right. And is that um, is that his attempt at, at feminism? That's the big debate is like, is is Tarantino a feminist like Death Proof no. is probably I don't think so. Yeah, I think I would agree, except maybe Death Proof is an attempt, like a blatant attempt to I make mean, a feminist film. I've had this, I, David and I had this conversation where we were saying, like, Quentin Tarantino obviously loves women, but you can still love women and not know how to write them or not know how to direct them or not know exactly what, like, there's that element. And then I also think that even though he is good at making movies, he's not necessarily. To me, he doesn't strike me as necessarily like the smartest person with other things. So maybe it's a combination of that. Like he goes into certain things more simplistically as opposed to like trying to like like with with um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like like I said earlier, it would have been good to know one of the details of the Manson family was that they were starting a fucking race war. Like, why didn't he mention that? You know, like. (laughs) Right. Seems like a pretty big omission. Yeah. Yeah, he. he, uh... Like Kill Bill and stuff gets that got kind of tiring when that was held up as like the celebration of of uh, him um, being this feminist director. I think that he's best when he indulges the male gaze, which is what he does best, Mm -hmm. which is let's film them from the feet and let's have men doing terrible things. I think if if he has men mutilating women, if that's his uh, attempt to, of, for equality, it's. I, I guess it's better than movies where there's sort of these. They're objectified in a different way, where these they're these untouchable forces of power that's just. And of course, put out by, like we said, a pandering executive who's Trump's biggest supporter and donor. Like, what do you? That's those Marvel versions of empowerment. Also, embarrassing and also superficial and just in a right. different way yeah absolutely sure. right so i think i think i would agree with he should go back to in a way make it a men's only club where it's men mutilating men and i'm not entirely joking like his why does he need to try to meet people halfway why did he need to why attempt to make sharon tate this third build person in this movie and on the poster when she should bear she should barely be on the poster yeah you know because that was him not doing what he wants which is for better or worse showing women in his movies through the lens of a simple-minded animal who makes films and let you know let him do his little wind-up projector and go make your movies but when you try to be important i think that's when things start to fall apart that's when People can smell the agenda. They can they can smell the attempt. Well, also to, pan, to pander. Go ahead. I wonder if okay. So in the movie, there's that you know the concept of as you get older, you become 
more irrelevant. And so I wonder if maybe that's what he was feeling as he was making this movie. Because I'm, oh, I'm so, thinking yeah. of, you know, um, well, like directors. Well, I a couple of directors now that I really enjoy um, and how they've come up with like innovative things and like different things. And so when you watch those movies, um, it's like it's an exciting thing. Like you, you're excited to go to the theater to watch their movies. Um, whereas like with Tarantino, we even though he was innovative when he first came out with like Reservoir Dogs and like Pulp Fiction and things like that, um, la- later down the line, he sort of became formulaic. Um, you know, so we can, we can, we're going to know, going into the movie, you're going to know, okay, I'm going to see some scene with some feet. I'm going to see, you know, someone making some food. I'm going to see, you know, like you, you <laughs> expect certain things. So I think that's another thing too. Maybe if His he's, tra- if he's up. trying, to, well, also if he's trying to meet people like halfway or whatever, then yeah, maybe he is feeling that he's becoming irrelevant or maybe he's not as maybe he's just in love with the certain era of movies certain times of movies and like i think that he can learn from newer directors honestly like well my well my favorites but like um yeah david go oh i was just gonna say like i agree with everything that you guys are saying um what i would say and this is kind of like this is my controversial statement for the for the day Rios just said, oh, God, whispered it. So, I mean, but, like, for me, personally, because I am a, a dude, uh, mm-hmm. dude alert, mm. dude alert over here, like, I'm not even really sure if I necessarily, like, would want Tarantino to be a feminist director. Right? I don't think right. he is. He's I, I, not. I, I, want, I want Tarantino to be Tarantino, which is also, by the way, I would kind of like, if he's kind of gross and likes feet, then I prefer that because it feels like there's a human being behind it right? I'm, I'm with i'm with him i agree with him. i agree with both of you though yeah i think well, that he i think he is feeling irrelevant in his time i think that he predicted his demise pretty amazingly mm-hmm. with his 10 movies that he's feeling the he's feeling the heat of i should when i said earlier you know there's no good directors there's a there's a ton of good directors but i, I kind of meant that they they don't have any room to breathe like theaters are have no good directors all the good stuff you know we have to a, a, a midsummer will squeak out, um, you know, and, or but these smaller ones, you, you seek them out, and there is some really good shit out there, kind of buried beneath this monolith of, of bullshit fake empowerment mm-hmm. under the guise of superheroes. Um, like if you get, would, did we review like the Florida Project? And, oh yeah, um, we did. Yeah, I loved it. And uh, what was the one filmed on the i on the iPhone? Uh, Tangerine. Yeah. Like that's people making movies outside of the theater system. Like you don't need to see the iPhone movie on a screen. Mm-hmm. So um, I, he's not only is he might be done like movies as we know them might be done, but it's, but I would also so I would agree with you there. But I'd also agree with uh, with Osborne here as far as like I want to see him go out swinging. I don't want to see him go out trying to make this new crop of theater goers happy with this because the, the kind of things that are dominating theaters are, is terrible and I don't want to see him try to do that whether it's to get a pat on the head or not do we really want to see him put a lot of lines in the mouth of uh, Margot Robbie or whatever like if he is a, if he is a, a straight white male 
his perspective why do we want we don't want to see him take on somebody else's perspective that's for other filmmakers to exactly do. that's exactly my point especially with things like twitter you know and we see a lot of uh writers who are white males attempt to adopt this kind of like persona and my whole beef with all that is like the retweet button exists oh it's the worst like they're, oh, like no. like <laughs> black black women black men queer people they're all saying these things already you can just amplify those voices but right. i think that white men have nothing if not a strong sense of self-preservation especially when it comes to power so instead mm -hmm. of just like being like hey here's a here's a black person who's saying this thing that i agree with that i think you should pay attention to they they hear it they internalize it and then they spit it back out like, as, like they as spit a it back person. Yeah. or they give you a, a sassy uh, digital blackface uh, uh gif right yeah right, right. of a black <laughs> like woman that, like rolling her eyes and being like oh like, no you, you didn't and it's like dude stop. unbelievable stop unbelievable. just be be who you are you know what i mean and right and there's and it can and it can be it can be problematic and it can be gross and people are going to give you shit for it and they have every right to give you shit for it but don't don't sit there and try to like adopt the kind right. of like ethics of a of a person who you are fundamentally not well That's so what... okay so is he trying to do this like what what's going like mm. i think he did is he with, trying like, to be i think, more like I think he did with, and with yeah with death know. proof with Death Proof, I think he tried to, and that's why it's a lot of people consider it his worst movie. It feels oh. kind of pandering as far as the empowerment thing. Okay. Um, I just don't. I have a really terrible movie memory, so I'm going to remember Once Upon a Time in Hollywood until like next week, and then as soon as I watch something else, I'm going to forget it. My movie memory is horrible, so I can't remember that's, Death Proof. Death. Yeah, I. It's hard to recommend. It's a, it was a great movie in context with another movie. And a bunch of fake trailers the grindhouse oh, i remember that yeah 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 so i felt like i really got my money's worth when i saw, I saw that i saw grindhouse three times in theaters you saw it three yeah times? it was a it was a great experience three times. yeah it's the most i've gone to see a movie in theaters in my really? no mine I... was district nine. Oh, we did we saw district nine <laughs> yeah. twice or yeah. three times I, I saw it a bunch yeah district nine was fucking badass do you know what would be another good th speaking of uh death proof and grindhouse what if what if the Brad Pitt character turns into stuntman Mike? Right. Like, like the Brad Pitt character is scary and should only get scarier as he gets older. And he's a stuntman. And stuntman Mike was a guy who was, like, bitter at the end of his career and turned into a, a murderer, a murderer of women, which mm -hmm. essentially Brad Pitt, as adorable as he is, all we know about him in this movie is he murdered three women, <laughs> right? Well, and it's it wouldn't be with beyond. You mentioned how Tarantino has his like goofy extended universe where Mister uh, uh, Mister Crazy Man from Reservoir Dogs, Michael Madsen's character in mm -hmm. in Tarantino's universe, he's Vincent Vega from Pulp Fiction's brother, right? Like they're yeah, actually it's... related. So I mean, I would it, I would bet that you know he would pull a J.K. Rowling uh, here in the next like six months and be like, yeah, he's actually the the brother or the father of, of stuntman Mike or whatever, you know, he's got one, he's got one movie to do it. I guess he could do it with the star Trek movie. Mm -hmm. You guys, you guys really enjoyed the dog stuff. I was going to, um, for people out there that want more dog action. Mm -hmm. Um, I was trying to think of movies with John Wick three, dude. There you go. Yeah. Um, uh, snatch. Air bud. <laughs> <laughs> Air bud. 
did you guys ever see Riddick, the third uh, pitch, bl- pitch Black, and then it goes Chronicles of Riddick, and then just Riddick? Have you guys seen that so. one? Uh-uh. No. no. Oh, my God. You guys need to see that. The first half hour is just Vin Diesel and the adventures of his space dog. Mm. It's amazing. That's awesome. The rest of the movie's pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> uh, did you guys ever see the boys from Brazil? Have you guys ever seen mm-hmm. that? Nope. Speaking of Hit, speaking of Hitler, it's about trying to clone Hitler, but there's uh, there's Dobermans in it, and it's it's great. Like they're they're kind of like uh, uh, Chekhov's Dobermans, just like in this movie where you wait for the dog to go off. In Boys from Brazil, there's these Dobermans, and um, when they attack somebody, uh, he'll say action, and the dogs will attack. When he says cut, they stop, and when mm-hmm. he says print. They go for the throat and kill you. Whoa! Isn't that sweet? That's a fucking I mean, cool metaphor, man. And you don't, yeah, and you don't hear print until the end of the movie. You wonder, like, what's is there another command? And the little kid says, "Print," and they mm. go right for the throat. It's pretty. It's pretty sweet. I thought of another the, movie, Legally Blonde. It has the <laughs> Chihuahua. The dog is prominent in the movie. It I supports L. I saw the play. I saw Legally Blonde the play, and uh, I don't remember a dog in that, but that the maybe they couldn't wrangle it. Yeah, it would be hard to wrangle a dog for a play. You'd have to use a little, like the American sniper baby, but with dogs, you know? (laughs) By the way, which, as far as like modern movies go, that's got to be one of the weirdest decisions that was ever made in a movie ever, to like have Bradley Cooper holding a fake baby, like a clearly fake baby. That was, that was just bizarre. That was like through the looking glass type shit. That movie's such a An American sniper, like Bradley Cooper, who's the titular sniper. Uh-huh. He goes home and he's like, there's a scene where he's just holding his baby and he puts the baby in the crib and it's obviously it's a, fucking a doll. What the fuck? You can just see that it's a doll. And it's still the most realistic thing in that movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you ever read American Sniper, that fucking bullshit artist? No, no, no. I, I know the whole story, speak... though. I know that he was full of shit. Yeah, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but he's full of shit. Um, he, was, he was up on the Astrodome bragging about shooting looters. Mm-hmm. Like murdering looters, he's like, yeah, we shot some looters or stealing TVs or something, which is a fucking lie, but also right. interesting window into his soul, you know. And then Clint Eastwood was like, awesome, <laughs> great. Speaking of problematic white dudes. Oh Jesus, I know. But yeah, no, I think that um, I think that the best way to move forward in in a, like a kind of art with with white dudes is to kind of like not shy away from our problematic nature don't do it i'm just kidding (laughs) it's like not shy away from it but like kind of embrace it and allow art to kind of like have that sort of discussion but this whole kind of and then at the same time practically and pragmatically give more actual jobs to women in poc right uh but like we got a lot of baggage dude like that i want to see it on the yeah i want to see it on the screen Mm -hmm. i don't that's why when people were getting mad at me about like why do you want to see the shit that he produces why why is that you know why are you even going and i just just and what does that say about you somebody said to me that you are looking forward to this movie and i and i said like can you force someone to be a good person by limiting what they see (laughs) like to what you find acceptable can you make someone a good person by telling them that what they're doing what they're going to see upsets you like is it possible to be a good person and still reject the hypothesis? <laughs> right. Sorry, <laughs> had, to, had to bring it, had to call back, bro. <laughs> but uh, is it is it possible to be a good person 
and still like reject the this you know most perfect wise human who's saying why do you even need to see that like i i want to see everything i want to see everything that's bad i want to see people that make fools out of themselves and uh, you know fuck up because of their uh crazy amounts of money that they get to throw at the screen even if it's due to some gross privilege like it's i, I still want to see it i want to see it all hmm. um so i don't i don't know i i don't know I don't know what I'm saying. I, I'm no, projecting. No I, w- no, I like it. No, I like it. Uh, I would be interested to hear Rios' take on that. Me? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. Because um... this, this is a scenario, by the way, where I, depending on the day of the week, I go back and forth. Like, I, I don't actually know. You know? I, like, I'm... Is I... the, what's the, well, what's the question? Is the question, should you see something by a problematic artist because well, we, we already kind of covered I that. mean I kind of like I don't want to I don't want to talk to you out of school or anything like that but Rios was like we can go watch the movie because it's already been opening weekend so it's not contributing to like the opening <laughs> weekend kind of thing well, which is her, like fair like that that's fair I guess right well no like, she, she said earlier she doesn't want to support artists that she doesn't like and that's of course that's fine it's we, true you know what I mean like I'm talking about people that tell me I can't do it wow. and that's a different animal you know, it is people yeah, that, people that keep unfriending. Oh yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. People I'm pretty. A hundred percent on your side with that me on one. Facebook, like, I'm so sad. Like ten people unfriend me because I say I'm going to see a movie. You never want to talk to me again because I went to see this movie. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm you, with you being those ten terrible people that I don't want to talk to. Yeah. Like who? who cares? Why do I care? I don't know. But like, why does anybody else care? It's like some somebody wants to tell me not to do something. I can't wait to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm immature. I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same, dude. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> I'm right there with you. That's one of my biggest beefs just with like online in general. Is like when people say like you need to stop doing XYZ. I'm like, oh, it, oh it makes me want to do it. Yeah, they're like, oh, the problematic filmmaker. Don't go see the movie. I run right through a screen door. Like, <laughs> like, like, fuck it, like Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Can't wait to see that. I think... Uh, that one um, how did I even start with this like okay so I think something that happens and it's something that I used to do when I was younger is I was ready to just argue and like fight with everyone online I remember I went through a phase and um, but I got really mean like like really I would say horrible things to people but um, or type horrible things to people I guess I should say um, something that gets discussed amongst I don't know just like just like with certain friends that I've spoken to and stuff is we talk about how most things are going to stem from something that's problematic and problematic is a word that's overused good god but like um we the just how we consume and the things we consume outside of entertainment like there's so many stuff that just stems from really horrible things i don't know and so like if someone i don't know i like i said before there's just certain people that i'm never going to support but this is just me i'm never going to support them i don't want to support their art i don't want to even like it's just not interesting to me anymore if I find out that someone's a horrible person and they also happen to direct or make music or write books, whatever. Like, it's just, if I don't fuck with you, I don't fuck with you. But that's me. 
But at the same time, I wouldn't say to David, like, I wouldn't say to David, hey, you can't watch any more Quentin Tarantino movies because I don't like Quentin Tarantino. Um, But that's just because I understand that people make their own judgments, if that makes sense. I'm not saying, uh, I don't know. I'm not saying that these people, it's just, okay, sometimes people are just really excited and happy to um kind of shit down other people's throats about why they're wrong and they're right does that make sense like like you know yeah, and you want, it's a very natural thing to want to see somebody fail that you don't like like that's a completely reasonable response is if somebody's a shitty person not only you're just like ah, i don't want to fuck with that person but you're also it's like wouldn't it be nice if they failed also wouldn't it be nice if something shitty happened to them well, yeah, I feel that's a very normal thing to, to want. Um, so I, I understand where people are coming from when they're saying, like, why do you have to do that? Like, why can't we all just you, you're clearly not that stupid that you don't. Why are you on board with this train? You know, so I, I understand all of that. I just it's it's my own hypocrisy. Like, I can't not like do it and maybe I'll grow out of it you maybe you did <laughs> maybe like the the urge to see what the problem is mm. like maybe it's not interesting to you anymore well i think also um, well okay so if we're talking about that like it just depends i think on the art so like <clears throat> if if there's something that's going to happen in a movie like i'm one of those people so if i know that there's going to be like like a rape scene in a movie or if i know that certain things are going to happen in movies i just avoid them altogether um and then yeah but like otherwise i'm i feel like i'm still understanding of of art especially when it comes to to movies when it comes to movies oftentimes i'm very i would say i'm very open and i just follow the story and i just kind of go along with whatever the director wants me to go along with Um, But yeah, there are certain things that I just avoid. And that's just because I'm not interested in seeing certain kinds of violence. I'm not interested in um, going through certain kinds of themes that maybe other people are working out within themselves. Like, I don't need to put myself through that because sometimes real life is just shitty because of who I am. And so like, you know, so that's why I, I think that's also why it's, it's, it's easy for me to just kind of put a wall up when it comes to certain artists and certain directors. I'm like, nah, just like, fuck that person. Like, I'm not even going to like, even give them the time of day. Um, But like I said, I'm also not going to tell someone not to watch something or, I mean, it just, it just depends on the, it just depends on the extreme, I guess. I don't know. Like, I just. It seems natural that you wouldn't be as fascinated by the on-screen implosion of the white male, like, Dave and Dave here, mm-hmm. who are yeah. just like want to be yeah. ringside yeah, for that yeah. meltdown. Like it's not that just the same way. If I watch an action movie and Amy's watching it with me, she cannot pay attention to the scenes that are there just for like the dumbass and all of us. They're all of us males. Like the 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 shooting. Like if there's a lot of action, just traditional action, she her eyes glaze over. She starts <laughs> she starts reading. not just not even for fun she'll pick up a fucking library book i'll see the little library slot on it she'll start reading it and this is the stuff where all the money is being thrown at the screen for to try their hardest to keep our Mm -hmm. attention it's the last thing she wants to look at and i think there's a general sense that that's the case for 
um, more <laughs> so for some more reasonable people than to want to watch this stuff all this stuff explode whether it's careers or otherwise these explosions are not interesting to a lot of people but they are to maybe dudes maybe you know? and also I just want to point out it's really funny that like the Skype that you use is Amy's so the little avatar <laughs> is just, just looking Amy, at us just like looking and she's like mm-hmm, that's true that's true I bust out the library book but yeah no we've often we've often talked on the show about both of our long-suffering partners um, <laughs> who have to deal with our, our particular neuroses and fascinations and things like that. And uh, it is just one of those things where sometimes, yeah, sometimes Rios will just be like, I don't I don't get why you're you're in so deep. And I'm like, but don't you see, like on Twitter they're saying this and then she's like, I, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Like I don't know how to, you know, parse that, which is fine. That's why I uh, call call folks like you on the phone, Dave. So well, I think why. there's that's why I think that both of our partners are similar in the fact that they've unplugged as well, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. Um, and uh, the, it's clearly, at least, it's helping Amy's brain. Um, and so I, it's I can't. You think that I would figure it out? Like I would watch her being mentally healthier than myself as I argue with strangers and defend oh defend the fuck the defend these fucking uh, directors who are like plopping down on the on the lawn with the pouring gas on their heads like look at me as i <laughs> look at me work through my shit on screen i save racism like i why do you know what i mean like she when I bring things up to her, she's like, "What are you even talking about?" Oh, she's totally, not. She's totally. not. There have been times where I've walked inside, just like incensed about something on Twitter, and I'm about to be like, "And you know," and then I just like, and Rios just looks comfy as hell. She's watching like her Korean drama or whatever, and I'm like, "You know what? Never mind. Forget it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's that's. Just not I mean, worth I it. I, it would take me 20 minutes to even explain why I'm mad about this tweet, and then. <laughs> it would solve absolutely nothing. So, I mean, I think you're onto something though. I think unplugging might be the, cause Rios, you, you go on Twitter, but Rios has a very well curated Twitter feed, right? Like mm-hmm. you just see funny shit. I see a lot of funny stuff. I follow a lot of just things that I'm interested in. So like a lot of Korean drama stuff, K-pop stuff. I follow a lot of animals. I follow a lot of gay Twitter, <laughs> black Twitter, queer Twitter, like, so it's a lot of variety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't follow very many writers back. Like, I'll follow some of them if I know them, but like, otherwise, I'm like, mm, I already see this stuff on Facebook. Because usually people I, will repost stuff on Facebook that they post on Twitter. Right. So, um, it's it's so much more healthy. And, I, you know, I talked to. Are you, like, wait, are you saying it's healthier than me following the cast of Deadliest Catch and, <laughs> and that, sh- that shark they tagged once? No, that's I think that's all I'm following. You saying but, that maybe but no, I should but, widen my perspective? No, I well I think it's I think it's I think Facebook is the problem. Facebook right? is for sure. Facebook is the problem Ugh, because we are mutual worst. friends with I writers know, I know, and I, I think they're, and they're I think the worst. Know, they're, they're the, the, they're the they're fucking the worst. Fucking sorry, sorry to every writer who who no, I think, which I think don't is, feel sorry because no, every writer knows it. Like every writer yeah. knows that we are the worst, yet here we are. Oh, because it's networking. It's not fucking networking. It's just you just want to become friends with someone because you're you want to tell oh, them that nice. you're a writer nice rios is not one of us that's the kind one of, rant of that was us. one of us <laughs> how dare you one First of of us. <laughs> it was so easy to, to 
to just bring her into the fold. Yeah, if you bring in Facebook and how much it sucks, though, to be fair, yeah. I feel like most people are going to be like, oh, I fucking hate that place so much. And we're all on it. That's what's so crazy about it, is that we, like, just once to... this podcast ends, I'll probably check Facebook just to see what's going on. But I Dude, I've, I actually got away from Facebook by watching Jersey Shore. <laughs> you see? <laughs> That's tight. I, it's, uh, I got the free subscription from it because Amy went out of town, so I got the free MTV channel subscription. Mm-hmm. Tried to watch them all. When's the last time you guys watched Jersey Shore? Not I never watched it. it. Got to have been ten years ago, man. I, I never you know, ever saw it. I never really saw it either. I just knew the the references, like Snooky and the situation and all that. But like, it's really the most offensive thing that's ever been on TV. It's it's so? that bad. And what's fascinating is that when you watch enough of them, I've watched like six seasons. They're, you know, it's a group of people in a house and they go out and they try to hook up and then they may or may not hook up. Then they call a cab and they kick them out. What, but there's something even more sinister going on. Like there, there's, it seems like there's this pressure that they have to find women and bring them back to the house. Like if they, it's like, like I, I keep imagining, this is what I've been doing the last three days. Like imagining these dudes, like tonight we got to fuck tonight or we'll get the gas. <laughs> you know, oh, we're going to we got to fuck tonight. What if we don't fuck tonight? Like, it's the weirdest fucking show. Like, yeah. there's this, like, you can, it's, I can't believe it was ever on the air. Well, you'd be so, I think, I mean, there are just a lot of people that are kind of, that are like that, though. Like, I don't, yeah. like, I've been, I've been out here in El Paso. I've gone out to some of the clubs out here with the youngsters, with the youth. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, you can just see it in people's eyes. Like they are hunting. Like if they don't get pussy, like they're going to die. That's 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 the that's the, the Chappelle joke. He's like, you ever seen a group of guys that they're all going out to get pussy? They all have their getting pussy shirts on. And then there's always one like little short guy like tagging along behind them. Like meh. Like that's, that's kind of... Jersey Shore. Well, I think I think the main problem we can all agree with Jersey Shore is is that they're Italian, right? What? Which is just like you know, <laughs> right? We all. Well, they do we, have we, they have Italian names, but I think uh, there's no way that half those people are Italian. Hey, Ronnie. Hey. Yay. We're gonna go bada bing, bada boom. We're gonna, my boss. we're gonna get a little. Uh, we're gonna get a little calzone, if you know what I'm saying. Hey. Why? Oh. Hey. <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> You know what's great is if, Italian. If get, Italians are fair game. Italians are fair game. What's funny is the one dude. Like you, you can see hints of like this mental anguish. Mm-hmm. Like the, like I think the one guy Vinny. I think he got tired of fucking. Right. He got, <laughs> and so he gets this religious tattoo across his chest. You know, one of those. You see, like a lot of basketball players get him, where it says like only God can judge me. It's like right. what have you been doing with your groupies that you needed right. to get that tattoo? Exactly. You know, it's, it's like an internet argument. It's a tattoo that's three conversations deep. Like, who are you talking to? Like, who's judging you? But anyway, one of you just getting a tattoo across your chest. It's like she was legal. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, okay, exactly. dude. All right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. He came back from the summer with this religious tattoo. Like, only God can judge me. You know. And they're like, Vinny, what's the matter, man? You gotta fuck, or you'll get the gas. <laughs> <laughs> What is getting the gas? What does that mean? I just imagine like the house fills up with gas. Like they get punished. Wait, one of them's in jail, right? Yeah, the situation went to jail. Oh, oh wow. He's got a he's got a real situation on his hands. I'll tell you oh! that much. <laughs> yeah, he um you know, he got the gas. He got the gas. <laughs> 
<laughs> Whenever you see videos of people on PCP kicking holes through fences, it's like he was he just didn't fuck. He got the gas, dude. That's what like, I'm saying. Like I think that there's a lot of cut scenes of just these guys like, I'm so tired of fucking <laughs> <laughs> Well I have to like I mean, you know, I guess after a while, I guess it would just become like this existential crisis, which I think that's what's happening what, on that show. It's probably what happening. it's probably what Jersey Shore actually like from the very beginning was sort of meant to be, right? It was probably supposed to be. Well, it's trash entertainment, but if you want to look at it through like a different kind of lens, it's also sort of like it is this weird, dark existential hole, right? That these it is, people have it is. fallen into. Some, it's just taken on a new meaning. I, Where it's like partying, work. which is supposed to be like a release from the doldrums of work. But like, what if your whole life was just, yes. just yes. that? You know, it's it's some. Dark and it turns shit. out it's a new kind of hell. Like maybe even it, worse. It's dark, dude. Mm-hmm. I would recommend getting the MTV free trial. Like <laughs> I do. Get the free trial and sit through about six seasons. No. You know, I don't know how many hours of time that is, but eventually something strange starts to happen. Right. Right. That I can guarantee. I can guarantee no matter what, whether you have the same, come to the same conclusion, something strange will happen after six seasons of Jersey Shore. Yeah. Well, I think anyway, we put this one to bed. Yeah, yeah. I like. Uh, I feel like I learned a lot. Cool. I feel like. Oh, one last question. Did you guys watch through the end credits for the, the weird Batman music and no. talking that was happening? No. It's fucking weird. Like over the end credits of of this movie there was like uh the old batman tv show was offering some sort of giveaway hmm. i don't understand why that was it's they mentioned batman briefly remember oh I don't, they mentioned I when uh what's that guy's name who's in the, the guy with the glasses al pacino yeah when al pacino was telling him oh you're gonna be in batman and he does the boom uh, i don't know yeah you're right is. Which yeah, I, I just looked up on the bloopers. The I looked up on the bloopers, by the way, and Batman was canceled in 1968. So that is an incorrect. There's a whole. If you go on IMDb, there is a in, like a long list of all the flubs oh. that Tarantino made in this movie. Well, and that's kind of ironic. If you're kind of like uh, sort of, if you get into that kind of thing, it's a it's a treasure trove of just like um, the audio equipment that they're using to listen to the music <laughs> was not invented until 1983. You're like, fuck. Jesus. When was, when was Batman canceled? 68. That's crazy. Because mm-hmm. um, you and I didn't get canceled by Rios until... Uh, 2019. 2019. At 6.40 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, very interesting. Yeah. Is she sick of us now? Did she walk away? <laughs> no, she's still here. She's just looking oh. at me. Like, you know... See, the thing is, dude, is that when this podcast ends, my life continues. Oh, and, it's and like the opposite of... What, I we, still, what we do in this podcast echoes in eternity, dude. So well, I still love him. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have this conversation all, all the time. And, you know, and I think that, like, my relationship with Rios and your relationship with Amy is, is probably a good metric for, for, for people in general, where you have two folks who sort of like are on opposite ends of the spectrum in a lot of sense and it's just being able to listen to the other person and still uh you because know. i am right yeah right right <laughs> yeah so anyway um you know 
just you know like it's just white guys are going through a lot of stuff right now that's all i'm saying are you like like are you like what like we're dealing with a lot of stuff we we must be we're not happy we've we've, they served us up a movie well you were happier than i would they served up a movie with nothing but white guys going through stuff and i'm still complaining about it like what do i need to stop complaining i must be going through some shit I don't know, man. I don't even know. But I, uh, I'm, I'm glad that I liked it, and I'm glad that you guys didn't, because we had this great conversation. Ta-da. I just wanted to leave you hanging like you did to me. <laughs> <laughs> never right. forget. Never forget. All right, and that is the show. Everybody was kung fu fighting